Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about. No fun. The Jen Kirkman podcast episode twenty-seven. Lots to talk about this week. I will be talking about SAG after joining the WGA on strike. I am a Madonna truther. We'll be talking about how once again, whenever I say something positive about something or someone on this podcast. Within a week, it turns out they are horrible. So I will be retracting statements I've said about Target and Jonah Hill. <laughs> I'll also be talking about whatever I can get to. Who knows? I'm a, I don't want to overpromise before I've even recorded the episode. But hello, everybody. So this is exciting for me. SAG AFTRA of which I'm also a member, not to brag, a member in good standing, paying my dues, still getting residuals here and there from things I've done. And uh, yeah, SAG-AFTRA, WGA, come at me. I'm in two unions. I'll fuck you up. But anyway, the actors have joined the WGA on strike. Why is this exciting? Well, first of all, it's exciting because for some reason, when it was just the writers, it wasn't getting that much media attention. It was getting a lot, but it sort of started to die down. And as I was always screaming, when famous people come to the picket lines to support us and bring us pizza, such as your Flavor Flav, who brought a lot of pizza to Los Angeles. I wasn't there, but that's okay. They get a lot of media attention 
you know, I've got to say, Snoop Dogg has been keeping the ball in the air on behalf of the Writers Guild, talking about streaming and how the model is completely fucked up in that they won't share how they make a profit in that sense, in terms of how many streams, what even is a stream, how can you determine that you pay an artist this per stream, but then say you can't release the streaming numbers, and and as it correlates to writers, it's not a repeat if an episode just lives forever on Netflix, but if so many people are watching it, why can't you give a residual in the same way that you would if it were on network television and it repeated? So I think Snoop Dogg for keeping the writer's strike in the press. But now that sag after have joined us, shit's going off. That's because we've got Fran Drescher, the president of the sag after union. She is loving it. She's in the moment. She, as she has said, she has become radicalized against the billionaire class. This happened, of course, she said way before any of the, you know, this striking was going on. This was years ago. And so she understands that this is a labor movement in the whole country. And I think she's getting the word out really well that there are over, um, I think there's, I might be getting this wrong, but I forget how many SAG, I want to say there's 100,000 SAG members. That just seems like too many. But um, there's 11,500 members of WGA. Um. And there's way more in SAG after. Oh no, there are there are 160,000 professional actors, announcers, um, hosts, blah blah blah, voiceover artists in SAG after. And so, most of those people don't even make enough money to qualify for the SAG after health insurance. How much do you need to qualify for the SAG after health insurance? you need to make $26,500 a year. So as you know, that is barely even a working class wage in 2023. So most of the members of the SAG after union are solidly working class, middle class, and most are struggling. You do have your obviously one to five percenters in SAG after, but mostly give or take a Nepo baby here and there, you're talking about actors. Most people come from nothing and then they make millions. Now, that may seem unfair. Why don't I make millions? I'm an ER nurse. I get it. I think you should make millions. But here's the thing. You're just in a different industry. So in that sense, when you are an actor who is making money for studios that are making billions off of your image, your face, your acting talents, when you get paid $5 million a movie, you're getting a very small percentage of what other people who are not you, who are not the reason that people come to the movies, they're making 400 times more than you. So in its own bubble, it's a little bit uh, off. In the, bu- in the whole world, sure. This is an argument you've seen on bumper stickers forever. You know, actors and athletes make more than firefighters and nurses, right? 
There used to be a bumper sticker that was popular in the 80s. If only the government had to hold a bake sale in order to pay for all the bombs. Just the way, you know, we have to have a bake sale at school to pay for the things. The bumper sticker was much shorter than what I just said. Although cars were um, longer in the 80s. Anyway, so you get my point. You're kind of on the wrong side of history if you're thinking a bunch of rich actors are striking for more money. Not not only because that's the, the, it's the wrong side of history because it's just not what's happening. Nobody who's making millions is saying, I don't have enough money, I want more. They're saying this entire business model, this entire industry has been un- upended by streaming and now the development of AI. And they are marching and striking for the people under them coming up. And they can afford to, so let them. It is too bad that everything has to shut down. But once again, this is not the fault of the people striking. It is a labor movement. So it's kind of cool to have the actors striking because people want to put a microphone in their face and they're getting the message out. But of course, the writers, it all starts with the writers. We've been out there for two months saying the same things. The group of producers called the AMPTP. They're the, they're the people that negotiate on behalf of all of the studios and the networks. It's very interesting because the, the Writers Guild is made up of writers, right? And the SAG-AFTRA union is made up of actors. And within our unions, members of the unions who are writers and actors full-time, they also run for positions within the union. So the president of SAG, as you know, is Fran Drescher. She's an actor. So we have like actual actors and writers negotiating with people who the studios have outsourced to negotiate for them. So it's like we're not even negotiating with the actual studios and networks. We're negotiating with people who have been outsourced to negotiate on their behalf. And these people are clueless and ruthless. But so are a lot of the CEOs of the studios and the networks. Just to be clear, I'm not... I'm I'm actually doing the opposite of letting them off the hook. I'm putting them on the hook by saying they don't even really have the interest, the wherewithal to show up themselves. They 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 outsourced this a long time ago. So, you know, but what's very interesting about it is within the world of the AMPTP, they're a hot mess within themselves. And I remember on the first night of the strike, I went to this big meeting in Tammany Hall in New York City. It was the very room that Lincoln made his we must preserve the union speech. It was very exciting. And the WGA negotiators from the East Coast were up there telling us what it was like negotiating with the AMPTP. And they were saying that unlike the Writers Guild, which is mostly in lockstep, we are a union, we're on message. Within it, we might have disagreements. Like the union doesn't tell you whether you should cancel your streaming services or not. And different members of the union have very different opinions. I'm of the opinion, do not cancel your streaming services. And some people say, do it. But any kind of boycott only works if it is completely organized from the top down. You know, your piddly cancellation with your note, I support the writers. It it doesn't make a dent. It, it's truly throwing a dime in the ocean. 
It might make you feel better. Maybe you just don't feel good about it right now and you're going to sign back up when everyone gets a fair deal. Totally cool. I mean, that, but that's what I'm saying. It's an individual choice. The union has no position on it. And if I speak about it, I'm just speaking as me, the individual. The way I look at it, and maybe this is my ADHD perspective, is first of all, I got to cancel all these things and then I know I'm going to start it up again. Because I work in TV. I love TV. I want to own all the streaming networks and watch TV. So I'm going to start it up again and get new passwords. You get re-enter my credit card and the remote control on my TV is a nightmare. You got to be kidding me. I'm not doing that. Now, I don't mind paying these horrible networks <laughs> right now because I know that they got rich off of the work of me and my peers. And that work still exists on these platforms, and the work is great. And for me, I don't want to contribute to giving them a reason to cry poverty. Oh, look, subscriptions are down this month. Clearly, people don't value what the writers and actors are doing. So, you know, I don't want to build their case for them. Even though I, as I always say, it's like throwing a dime in the ocean, our piddly um, subscription or not subscription. But for me, I feel better just keeping everything where it is, not changing my password. But also really, non-joking aside, I do actually feel like I want to support these networks so that when everything gets back, not even to normal, but to a new normal, and when we win, because we will, because our industry is on the line. So if we give up, we are literally giving up our jobs. Not maybe the exact job that we have right now, but we're giving up our career. Within two years, it'll be completely destroyed. So we don't have a choice. It would be like saying to someone, you know, who's battling an illness, keep fighting. It's like, yeah, oh no, I'm going to. I don't maybe have the strength every day to do it, but uh, the other choice is no more me, right? So it's, it's kind of that dire this time. The other years... Um, all strikes have been pretty dire because it's a pretty dire move. It, it fucks everybody. You know, we don't get paid when we're on strike. And obviously, you know, I'm kind of in the middle. There's people that are, you know, millionaires, millionaires above me that they could strike forever. They could retire. There's people like me somewhere in the middle where it's like, I do great. I have a savings. I'm all good for the duration of this strike. Unless it goes a year, then I'd be a little nervous. But I do have a job to go back to. I, I was working on a show, um, a new show on Amazon that is by the same creators of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It, it was announced in the press just a little bit before the strike. So I, I knew I've been working on that show for six months already. Um, I knew that I was going to that show when I was still on Maisel. So like I've had job security in terms of knowing where I'm going for a long time. And I know that I'm I'm back on that show when we're allowed to start up and running again. We hadn't even started filming. We haven't written all the episodes. So there's a lot more to go. So I'm secure in that way. I'm just not making any money right now. So, but then there's people under me who haven't worked at all. You know, maybe they just got into the union or they've been in the union and it's been tough to get a job or they were just about to start a job. And, you know, some people can't even join us on the picket lines because they have to go to their day job because they can't afford to not work at all. So my whole point in talking about this, I just, I lost my train of thought because I don't know where this train started. Oh man, you probably do because you've been listening, but 
I guess the point is when we when we get back to normal, whatever, and I said the new normal, I want people subscribed so that when the studios and networks have to start paying residuals, when they have to start having actually normal sized staff writers rooms, I want I want y'all paying for that, including myself. So anyway, everyone has different opinions, but my point in even bringing this all up is that the union has its talking points, and I don't mean that in a sinister, in a, cyn- a cynical way. I don't say talking points as like they're bullshit. They have their their truth. And I think the truth and knowing what you stand for, it's a lot easier to keep your story straight, right? Our story is pretty clear. We want protection against AI. The AMPTP would not even discuss it with us. They said, don't worry about it. Trust us. Once a year, we'll meet and tell you how the AI thing is going. Oh, really? Once a year, you're going to meet with us and tell us how you're replacing us with AI? Cool. (laughs) You know, we wanted to know what are the numbers exactly? Like, what are you basing canceling shows on or not paying residuals? You know what I mean? Like, we don't have any idea how many people have ever watched anything on streaming. That's bizarre, isn't it? And the network makes decisions on how big your budget is and how big the writer's rooms can be and what the salaries will be based on the ratings that they don't share. Now, with network TV, ABC, CBS, NBC, you can look, you can Google the ratings. Of anything on your cable box, you can Google the ratings. They're public because advertisements are how the networks make money. And advertisers have to know how many people are watching If five people are watching the show, you're not going to get Dove Soap to to sponsor your show. If 10 million people are watching, you bet they're they're buying ads. So they got to know. And when you go by ratings, ostensibly in a perfect world, the way that you get ratings is having a good show, or at the very least, a very good advertising campaign for your show that gets people to watch at least the first episode. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But the point is, in general, the model was always, you put your best show on, that gets the ratings. It keeps it sort of an art form. Now, I know you could argue, Jen, I've seen network TV, these shows are terrible. Look, I know, but eyes are on them. So maybe in some cases, it's the best shows they're putting on the air, and in some cases, it's the most crowd-pleasing. And we all know when we get a crowd of people together, they're Taste isn't always that great. I get it. But you know what I'm saying. It's based on what the people want. And it's based on quality to a certain extent. 
And when you disrupt that and say, okay, we have the streaming model, we don't share our ratings, so we're just going to make money off people subscribing, that's fine. And there's, I mean, streaming TV has incredible shows. I mean, I'm blown away with the quality of television on all of the streaming networks. You know, your your average uh, episode of something is almost as good as a movie. So the quality has been amazing, but they've got their subscribers and they don't base it on ratings. So they don't need to stay quality, if you hear me. They could just start throwing out Love is blind in six different ways 10 times a year if they wanted to, you know, just start doing reality shows. And they could also have an AI write an episode of something and then hire one writer to clean it up and humanize it a little. That destroys the union because now you have one writer per show that's not even working in all of the production. They're not on set. They're not, you know, so I've talked about all this before, but the point is, as technology changes and as the business model changes, you have meetings and, and negotiations every few years to make sure every one of your workers is being protected and we are not being protected against the technology and the business model that is probably going to crush our industry if we did not walk out. So, and it's, you know, you don't strike, um, you, you can't really strike if negotiations were close, because the other side can prove. Um, they just threw a fit and walked out because they want attention and some time off in the summer. I mean, you have to prove that you were so far apart in the negotiations and that you negotiated in good faith. You, you re So this is why I'm saying that like the WG's talking points are on point. We have proof. We have meeting notes that prove for a month the writer's that are on the negotiating team sat there and said, here's what we want in terms of protections against AI. And instead of the AMPTP sitting there and saying, okay, we hear you, we'll give you this much protections. And we say, no, we want a little more, you know, negotiating, right? They said, we're not even talking about it. Just sat there, nope. I mean, practically begging the WGA to walk out. You can't negotiate with a stone wall. So we walked out. And it's been proven and published that those were their responses and their answers. So it's like, you know, we can win the PR war in five seconds with that, but it's just kind of more about winning the hearts and minds of our fellow Americans in the sense that this notion that writers are rich and actors are rich, and this is rich people wanting to get richer, it's truly not the story. Of course, there are rich writers and actors. And I'm not going to get into the argument of how hard they worked for it because it's not about that. It's just about that this is truly not a guild of people that are all in the 1% saying we'd like to stay in the 1% and maybe we even want to get into the half percent. This is the, the people that are rich and getting richer and literally doing none of the creative work for it are the CEOs of these networks and studios who are making amounts of money that if I may be so uh, bold, they don't need. Now, would I love to make $250 million a year? Absolutely. But I would admit, I don't need it. You know? 
Now, if 250 million people signed up for my podcast, I would be making 250 million a year. And I'd have no problem with that because I'm, I'm the only one here. I got my producer. I got the woman who helps me with my social media stuff with this podcast. And, and everyone would be paid handsomely. But when you're making $250 million as the CEO of a network, because I don't even know where that money comes from, like who decides they get that Wall Street? I don't know. It's all above my head. But they're getting it off the backs of workers who are not even being, you know, they're getting 400 times the amount. So anyway, all this being said, it's great to have the actors out there because they can explain it with a prettier face than most of us writers. And you know it's going well when my dad who is 85, has always been an independent in terms of his political votes, voted for Kennedy, voted for Clinton. I think he even voted for Obama, but also voted for Reagan, also voted for Bush. Uh, or did he vote for Bush? I don't remember if he voted for Bush one, Pro probably. I, I, don't, I honestly don't remember, but my parents used to have solid, solid, we don't tell you who we vote for. I didn't know my whole life which political party my parents were. It was this old school, silent generation thing of you do not tell anyone who you voted for that is private. Not even your kid who likes to talk about politics. And then later in life, you know, my dad told me the people he voted for. I remember him saying at the time, Bill Clinton's going to be down in history as the best president we ever had for, um, like, the economy was really good. I don't know. He also loved Ronald Reagan. Also, like the worst president from the economy I, is all he's all over the place, but he's never been a lockstep with a political party. He's that that was always very important to him. So here's my dad, eighty five years old, you know, and uh, he gets all Trumpy. You know, I remember one time he said to me, "What." Of course, I'm going to obsess over politics all the time. I'm old. What else am I doing? But he is, he's golfing. He's, he's at Foxwoods with my mom. I mean, very active, visiting his kids and grandkids. I mean, but anyway, my point in saying all this is when I was trying to explain the strike to my dad months ago, he's on my side because I'm his daughter. He wants me to be okay. He never says anything disparaging. He loves show business. But when I explain it, I can see in his face, you know, he gets that Fox News, Newsmax, like, thing that comes over his face where <clears throat> you can tell his brain is scanning for a way to make this about Republican versus Democrat politics. And this really isn't. This is about corporate greed. And you can trace it back to blah, blah, blah and blame a party if you want to. But it happens to anybody. Now, I don't know how these CEOs who are giving us this grief vote. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to both sides it. But when I'm calling out corporate greed, usually Democrats are better on it. But listen, anybody is capable of being a billionaire who's guilty of corporate greed. So I extend my hate and disgust to everybody. Um, but anyway, but you can see my dad's face. Like I can, I can intuit it like a psychic that I know that that's what he's doing. And I go, I see your face right now. 
dad, I see you trying to make this because we have a pact. We don't talk. I will not allow him to talk to me about politics and say whatever crazy thing he might say. I don't even want to know. I don't want to know what that man thinks because I want to love my dad and the years that I have left with him. But I don't want to hear crazy talk. So, but I can see it. And I go, Dad, this is corporate greed. I go, it's not Republican, Democrat. And I'll go, okay. And he's trying to listen. He goes, well, who's doing this, you guys? I go, big tech. He goes, oh, big tech, San Francisco. I go, I just, stop trying to make this political. I go, it's Wall Street. Oh, I say Wall Street, he's, he's thinks in his head, that sounds kind of Bernie Sanders-ish to me. Wall Street, I think that's, I think I gotta be uh, on the side of Wall Street. You know, he gets all confused. So I'm like, listen, it's all bad. Everybody's bad. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. But now, now, oh, get an email from my dad. Matt Damon, (laughs) Jen, Matt Damon is on strike. I think my parents, and this is the funniest part, I think my parents, not my mom, she would be mad if she heard, Jennifer, I know what's going on, your father doesn't. My parents and people like them who are just people in the suburbs, maybe elderly, maybe any age, not in the business, they think like individual actors chose to strike. It's like the whole union's on strike. You could be, you know, we vote whether we authorize our union to go on strike or not. So like, I think, like 50% of SAG voted, which is disappointing, but of the 50% that voted, 98% voted to strike. So they have the authorization to strike. They can use that as a bargaining chip. They used it. Now we're on strike. But you can be a member of SAG-AFTRA or the WGA, and you can you could have voted no, and you could be thinking to yourself, I don't want to strike. I don't believe in this, but tough shit. You're in a union. Majority rules. You're on strike. So, but I think like my, Matt Damon is on strike. Did you know that? Yes, I did, because he's a member of SAG-AFTRA, so he has to be. <laughs> but I think like my parent, my dad thinks whoever is speaking about it is the actor on strike and everyone else might not be. I don't Jen, Matt Damon is on strike. He says this is terrible what they're doing to you. And he says it's the billionaires. I'm like, okay, I said that too. But, you know, we got to hear it from Matt Damon. I don't, my dad's ever talked about Matt Damon before. He even, I didn't even know he knew who he was. I mean, I know he's, you know, Boston person, but my dad is less obsessed with Hollywood as my mother. So like he loves show business, but like he's not knowing like actors' names. 
But now he does. Matt Damon says it's the billionaires. Then he writes something about the weather. My parents love to just, each sentence of an email is a different subject completely. Oh, Mrs. Jones died. I saw a ladybug in the cereal box this morning. You know, it's just all over the place. It's beautiful. Anyway, so, so many people have asked me how they can help. And first of all, you are helping a writer on strike by subscribing to my Patreon. So that's amazing. And if you haven't subscribed, click the link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. You can join the Patreon for as low as $2.99 a month. You can get a seven-day free trial. You can also join for a year and get, I think it's a 10 to 15% discount. So that's amazing because this is now what I'm doing solely for work until I go back to work. But in general, if you want to help out, I mean it when I say, I know people, every time I say this, people seem to go, now what else can I do? It's like whenever you ask a friend, how can I help you? You want to do the fun thing? I want to be the friend that like comes over and bakes cookies and the friend's like, can you come over and like clean my um, wound on my back from my uh, surgery I had? And you're like, oh. I didn't want to be the wound clean friend. I wanted to be the cookies friend. You know, people want me to give some sexy uh, answer. But um, the easiest thing you can do, and I think it is fun, is social media. So I'll put the link in the show notes, but you can also just go to my website, jenkirkman.com, and right there on the homepage, I'll put up the resources. But you can also go to um, the Writers Guild website, like you can go to wgaeast.org. And they have this great toolkit on their website where they they basically show, um, they have the strike hub, and it shows how you can stand with the writers. And you can look at their social media toolkit, which really means they've just made some cute posters and flyers and memes and graphs and charts of like what exactly the issues are. And you can download them, post them on your social media. Um, It shows there's local businesses that give discounts to writers and actors. So you can support those businesses. If you are a business in New York City or LA or anywhere where there are writers and actors living and picketing, you can offer them discounts if they show their union cards um, there's all different ways to do it. You can follow the WGA and sag after on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you can just retweet um, if you're not prone to writing in your own words. But write in your own words, the way that you would about anything. You know, if you don't like Donald Trump and you often write tweets or Facebook posts about, you know, you, know, you hate what he did today, start doing that about what you're reading about what's happening to the writers and the actors. And it may not seem like a lot. And you may say, oh, only 25 people follow me. But you're helping us all win the court of public opinion. You're helping shape the dialogue about a huge labor movement in the country that pertains to all industries. And people from the studios and the networks see this. You don't think that like, you know, the innocent, you know, assistants and PAs and people who work for these people, they're all over social media and they tell their bosses and they tell, these people are so not on message. That's what I was trying to say before. The union is on message. The AMPTP is a disaster within itself. They all have different, each member of the AMPTP is negotiating for a different streaming network. And these streaming networks are in competition with each other in ways that 
the regular networks, ABC, NBC, CBS, are not in competition with each other. Like ABC, CBS, ABC, NBC, CBS, they exist in competition with each other. They always want to be number one. They never want to be number three. But the goal is never to destroy the other networks so that they don't exist. And that's kind of what it's more like in the streaming world. So it's a very conflicted group. They can't even like come together like we are the networks, like because they're not. You know, you've got Apple competing with Amazon. I mean, these are storefronts that also have, as they say, content, which I hate, but they have creative content. You got Netflix, which is like only creative stuff. And they're all at odds with each other about how they want to do business, about who they want to destroy, who they want to buy out. So even within the AMPTP, their talking points are not unified because they are not a union like we are. So they will, one of them will blurt out something crazy to the media, like, we want the writers to lose their apartments and houses, and then they'll come crawling back. That was actually a quote from someone. We don't know which studio said this, which network, streaming network said this, but, and then someone else in the, that's negotiating on behalf of these people is like, but don't say that. You know, they're, all, they're a mess. They're a whole mess. And they're falling apart from the inside in terms of being on message. And so the best way to just keep hitting them, like the final rounds of a boxing match, is to just join us in our message and just keep hammering it home and show that the country is on the right side. And, and educate yourself so that you understand and maybe get any preconceived notions out of your head about like what and who is in entertainment and that it's not a working class industry, you know, bone up on that, if you will. And then there's also, if you want to donate financially, there is a fund called the Entertainment Community Fund. It assists every single entertainment worker that's affected by the strike. It's this giant fund. It's been around for decades. And you donate to it and it goes to the appropriate people in need. Um, you know, if you are someone in need, you apply to the Entertainment Community Fund. So, so don't worry about me. You don't have to donate to me. But if you want to donate to everyone that you're concerned about, I know that a lot of people say, oh, I want to support the writers and the actors. But, you know, it really sucks because you're putting like, you know, the lighting guy out of work and he doesn't. And it's like, yeah, but we're also striking for him for when he does his negotiations. So um, but you can help everybody if you donate to the Entertainment Community Fund. So those are the ways you can help. And in terms of like, if you live in a city where there are picket lines, you can join us. I mean, truly, anyone that you want to bring a whistle or a tambourine, a cowbell, like we're trying to make noise to disrupt people in their offices. So come make noise, you know, on your lunch hour, whatever. Honk your horn when you see us. We love the honking and it annoys the studios. And so we love that. Um. Those are things that seem small and like you want to come in and be a hero, but they actually are the most helpful. And the other thing would be, I know a lot of people want to show up on the picket line and bring food. I, and I don't mean to be a dick about it, but it really only helps when a celebrity does it because it just, it generates media attention, which keeps our, which keeps us sympathetic in the public eye and the studios not. To be honest, the picketing shifts are all over the place in terms of hours, like um, but a lot of times you're only picketing for a few hours at a time, like you're not going to starve to death. And it's sometimes very hard to orchestrate holding your sign and eating your food. Like it's not all that convenient. Obviously, like during the summer months, like water, 
popsicles, sunscreen is appreciated. But using, um, you know, union funds, the Writers Guild will have water set up and they do have community sunscreen on the tables. So I would just make sure, like if you live somewhere near a picket line and you think, oh, maybe I'll bring water or sunscreen, just show up first and ask any of the WGA or SAG workers there if they need anything and they'll tell you. But I wouldn't burden yourself to like think of it and then get down there because it is kind of, it's a lot once you get there. Um, And I think that in general, you don't have to worry about like the food part of it. Like we're not sleeping out on the streets 24 hours unable to eat. So I think it's more about like, just join us, just join us in the messaging. And it sounds like not a lot, but it's huge. Like I, I'm begging people every day, don't worry if you have five Twitter followers. If everyone does it, you know, then that's really helpful. So I think I've gone on and on. And uh, this free portion of the episode is longer than than most, although probably more boring than most. So you're like, oh, thanks, Jen. Anyway, if you want to hear the rest of the episode and everything I want to talk about that I mentioned earlier, please join my Patreon. And if not, that's okay. But until next time, have fun. Have fun. 